0: stay tuned for a teaching you can trust a message that will inspire strengthen and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the word of god here is rick
1: welcome to today's program my name is rick renner and my friends I want to tell you, Jesus is Lord. He was Lord yesterday. He's Lord today. He is going to be Lord tomorrow. And we're told in Revelation chapter 1 verse 5, He is the prince of the kings of the earth. And it doesn't matter what's going on in the news or in politics or around the globe. Ultimately, Jesus really is Lord of All but like I told you yesterday, I would really appreciate your prayers for me and Denise, for our sons, and for our ministry team, because we are navigating very difficult times in our part of the world. It's very rare for me to appeal to you and ask you to pray for us. I'm often telling you that we want to pray for you and we do want to pray for you. If you'll reach out to us by calling us or send us an email. I guarantee you we're a ministry that will really, really pray for you. But today I'm also asking you to pray for us because we need wisdom from above. And James 1, 5 says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. And Denise and I and our team, we're asking God for wisdom that we might be effective where we are. And when you're a partner with our ministry, you're touching people all over the world, including where we are. And we want to say thank you for being a partner. And please, please pray for us. I really cherish your prayers right now. And thank you for reaching out to us to ask us how we are. We're good. We're in the peace of God. We're staying in our place where we're called. There's no safer place than being in the will of God. But today we're going to return to the book of Jude. Wow, yesterday was so packed. And today we're going to pick up in verse 15. But I want to remind you that I'm offering you today my brand new series called Mockers in the Last Days. What the Bible says about mockers in the last days and how to stand strong against a tide of negative voices. And it comes with a study guide. And we're also offering you my book, which is called Last Days Survival Guide. Do you have this? My friends, we're living in the last days and we need a survival guide. And that's what this book is all about. And this really is one book that you should buy several copies of because you really will want to share it with somebody else. The forward is written by Perry Stone. The subtitle says, a scriptural handbook to prepare you for these perilous times. But at the end of today's program, my announcer will tell you how you can get all of these materials. But again, remember, if you want somebody to pray with you, we are here for you. And when you reach out to this ministry for prayer, you really get prayed for. So please let us know how to pray for you by going online or by giving us a call and reach for your Bible. We always use the Bible in this program and we're believing for a revival of the Bible in the body of Christ. But today I'm going to begin by reading the R.I.V. of Jude, verse 3, because it's the foundation for this series. Now, many times people write or call and they say, well, what is the R.I.V.? Well, let me tell you. I'm going to read to you from my notes. The R.I.V. is the Renner Interpretive Version, and it is a conceptual interpretation, a conceptual interpretation of the New Testament that draws on concepts in the Greek language and brings them into the text in a contemporary way to provide a broader comprehension of what is being communicated through the scripture. To be clear, the RIV is not meant to be viewed as a word-for-word translation, but should be viewed as a conceptual interpretation of the Greek text, and it's based on the Greek text. But now, let's go to Jude verse 3 to the RIV. And as I've told you previously, Jude had planned to write a letter about salvation and all the benefits of being saved. But just when he was beginning to write, he received the second epistle of Peter. And when he read 2 Peter chapter 2 and chapter 3, he was so moved by what he read. In those verses, Peter wrote about false prophets and false teachers and people with insincere motives operating inside the church and mockers in the end of the age. And when Jude read those words, he was so alarmed by what he read that he felt he needed to address the subject as well. So he abandoned his plans to write about salvation. And now we read in the RIV what he says in verse three. Listen to this, beloved, I call you that because it's the only word I know to express how deeply I love and cherish you. It's a translation of the Greek word agapatoi. I fully intended to write to you about our mutually shared salvation, and I was really eager to write about all the exciting this exciting subject, ready to engage all my creative abilities to dive deep into all the benefits that our salvation entails. But I was about to get started. I found myself gripped with a sense of urgency and a deeply felt need to address another subject that came to my attention. I felt someone needed to come alongside the troops to urge them to hold their heads high, to throw back their shoulders, and if needed, to look the enemy eyeball to eyeball and to earnestly contend for the faith because it is under assault. God entrusted the faith to us once and for all And expects us to guard it and maintain its integrity in the same form it was delivered to us. God has given us the responsibility to impart it to others in the same form as it was when we received it. Then the RIV of verse 4 really explains why he was alarmed. Listen to this, unfortunately we're now confronted with a certain category of individuals who have clandestinely almost like a stealth operation craftily wormed their way right into the middle of our ranks. Long ago, it was foretold and written in advance that a day would come when such individuals would show up. But in the end, heaven's court will issue a damning verdict of judgment and condemnation on them due to their activities. I'm talking about people who were once reverent and God-fearing, but now they've lost their fear of God. These are individuals who go about altering, changing, and modifying the grace of our God into a teaching that says everything is okay and that leads to sinful living that is especially marked by immoral and indecent sexual activities along with other base behaviors. They can't claim ignorance about what they're doing because the Lord God, that is our Lord Jesus Christ, has spoken to them and warned them to get back in line. But in spite of these warnings the Lord has given them, they knowingly are denying and walking away from the authoritative covering of the Lord. So this is what is on Jude's heart. Then when you come to Jude, verse 14, he says that from the very beginning of time, the prophet Enoch saw this would occur at the end of the age, and Enoch even saw the coming of the Lord in his second advent. And the RIV of Jude verse 14 says, It is amazing that even Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied and foretold in advance about these and other events that would occur in the future, saying, Behold, the Lord is coming with the authority and power needed to right every wrong and to set everything in order. And when he comes, he will arrive in the midst of 10,000 innumerable numbers of his holy people with him. It's talking about us. When Jesus comes back in the second advent, we are going to come with him. But then when you get to verse 15, Jude tells us what will happen when Jesus comes. Listen to this. To execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed, and of their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. You're going to notice that the word ungodly appears four times in this verse. And as I told you yesterday, when one truth shows up four times in a single verse, you need to really pay attention to it. And this word ungodly is so important, it's repeated four times in verse 15. But notice it says that when Jesus comes in his second advent, he will execute... Judgment, And the word judgment in Greek is the word crisis. And it's where we get the word crisis. When he comes, it's going to be our real crisis for the ungodly. And the word crisis, here translated judgment, is a Greek word which portrays a decision made by a legal court, a court decree, a legal procedure at the court, or a verdict delivered the results in Judgment. So when Jesus comes, he is going to execute the legal verdict of heaven against the ungodly. And when the Bible says in the King James Version to execute judgment upon all, the word upon in Greek is the word kata, a preposition, which here means against, depicting something that will absolutely be inescapable upon all. The word all, the Greek word pantes, which describes all, it is all inclusive with no exceptions. All of the godly are go, ungodly are going to experience this moment of crisis and to convince all that are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds. The word convince is a Greek word, which means, now listen to this, to expose to convict or to cross-examine for the purpose of conviction as when convicting a lawbreaker in a court of law. It pictures a lawyer who brings forth evidence that is indisputable and undeniable, and it means in that day, heaven's court will present all the proof necessary to irrefutably back up a charge of guilt against the ungodly. It means heaven keeps records. And when Jesus brings forth a guilty charge against sinners, there's going to be no question. He, like a lawyer, is going to bring forth irrefutable proof and evidence that is incontestable. They will be convinced like a lawbreaker is convinced in a court of law by all the proof that is presented. That's what's going to happen when Jesus comes on that day with 10,000 of his saints. And the Bible says to convince all that are ungodly. The word ungodly is the Greek word a It's really from the word sebeis. The word sebeis describes that which is reverent, pious, respectful, or God-fearing. But when sebes becomes a It has a canceling or reversing effect and comes to depict that which is unholy, irreverent, impious. Those who have lost their fear of God, it depicts those whose actions are unholy, unsacred, impure, and whose activities are unsanctioned by God. And here it describes those who live sinful lives and whose behavior demonstrates they possess no reverence for that which is holy particularly For God and for the things of God. And it's very similar to what Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 3, which I cover extensively in my book, which is called Last Days Survival Guide. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul wrote this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Then he says in verse 2, For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, and then he adds unholy. And the word unholy, which is used in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, is the word anosias from the word Hosias, which depicts a person or group of people who normally are reverent. They're respectful. They're God-fearing. But also, when you put an A on the front of the word, the word hosias becomes unhosias. It has a canceling effect, which means those who were once holy have become unholy. Those who were once reverent have become Irreverent. those who were once God-fearing have lost their fear of God, and it can be translated irreverent, disrespectful. Again, it depicts those that have lost their fear of God and whose way of thinking and outward actions have become ill-mannered, impure, unclean, lewd, indecent, crude, coarse, vulgar, offensive, and rude. That's what that word unholy means in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 2. But when you come back to Jude verse 15, it says to execute judgment upon all and to irrefutably prove to convince all that are ungodly, those that are irreverent, they have no fear of God, among them of all their ungodly deeds. Now the word ungodly appears a second time. And again, it is a Greek word, a It describes unholy, irreverent, depicts those who have no fear of God, The word deeds is the Greek word ergon. It describes actions, deeds, outward activities. It refers to the things produced by one's life. It is an all-encompassing term which includes actions, beliefs, and conduct. And here we find that if you are ungodly, you're going to have ungodly deeds. The tree produces that kind of fruit, which they have ungodly committed. The word ungodly now used... A third time in this verse, again the Greek word asabes, which means they're committing these things irreverently, and of all their hard speeches, which they have ungodly, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. What does that mean? Hard speeches. Well, in Greek it is the word sclerosis. It's where you get the word sclerosis like multiple sclerosis, hard speeches. The Greek word sclerosis here really describes that which is abrasive, harsh, stubborn, or unbending. Again, it's where we get the word sclerosis, a medical term to describe the stiffening of tissue or anatomical features that have become hardened. It's something hard, something stiff, something unbending, stubborn, or something that is abrasive, it's talking about abrasive speech, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. And the word ungodly now appears in this verse for the fourth time. Irreverent, impious sinners that have no fear of God. And the word sinners is the plural form of the word hamartolas, which depicts sinners who have missed the mark of God's standards and fallen short of God's righteousness and here depicts those whose actions and lives are detestable in the sight of God. And here we find that if you do not know Christ and you're in sin, you're a sinner. You're not just somebody who's in sin. It's offensive to God. It's detestable in the sight of God. That's why God sent Jesus to rectify the situation. And when sinners don't repent, this is detestable in the sight of God. And this verse says, ungodly sinners have spoken against him. The word spoken, a form of the Greek word "leleo," which means to articulate, to converse, to communicate, or to speak. Have spoken against, the word against here, the Greek word kata, which means a directly against. It describes something that is intentionally done. Now, how do you put it all together? Well, here's the RIV of verse 15. And when he comes... He will carry out the irreversible charge that heaven's court has issued inescapably against all so charged. In the very same way a lawyer brings forth indisputable and undeniable evidence in a court of law, heaven's court will presume irrefutable and uncontestable evidence to prove a charge of guilt against the godless and all the irreverent actions, beliefs, and deeds which the irreverent sinners have spoken so abrasively and insolently against the Lord. That is the RIV of verse 15. But then you come to verse 16. And in verse 16, Jude adds, these are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of Advantage. Now we find this category will be murmurers and they will be complainers. What does the word murmurers mean? Well, the Greek word means to mutter words of discontent in a low tone, to grumble, muffled undertones. It pictures smoldering discontent of those that are impossible to please. It pictures those who believe they have a right to everything. They're continually displeased when they don't get everything that they want. And he describes them as complainers. And the Greek word here translated complainers depicts a fault finder or one who complains about his lot in life and who lays blames on everyone else for his lot in life. One who is complaining and discontented and refuses to see his own role in his own problems. And he says they will be walking after their own lusts. The word walking, the Greek word pereomai, which means to transition from one place to another, which means they didn't begin in this bad place. They started in a good place. But over a period of time, they've transitioned from the path they once walked upon to a new place, which is such a bad place, walking after their own lusts, the word lust, the Greek word epithumia, compound of two words. The word epi means over, and here it is used as an intensifier. And the word thumio, or thumas, which pictures passionate desires. But when you compound the two words together, it pictures somebody who craves over something. He desires something. He's hankering after something. And pictures one who wants something so badly that he's nearly doubled over, aching for it. And here we find that they're aching or hankering for their own lusts. These are not people living according to the righteous standards of God, but they're living according to the flesh, living like low-level animals. That's what Jude said in previous verses. They're a lot like low-level animals. That's clearly what Jude said in previous verses. And here we find these sinners, they're murmuring, they're complaining, They're leaving the place where they used to be, which was good, transitioning into another place that is so bad. And they're in hot pursuit after their own hankerings, low-level desires, and cravings. And then he says, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. We don't have time to cover the entire verse today, but so far the RIV of verse 16 would be like this. These people go around murmuring and disrespectfully muttering words of discontent under their breath, constantly complaining, laying blame, and finding fault with others. They abandoned the path they once knew and are in hot pursuit after their own carnal cravings, desires, and hankerings. That's where we're going to pick up when we come back in the next program. But my friends, the Bible is very clear that one day Jesus is coming and when he comes, he will be enshrouded with ten thousands of his saints. That's you and me. And when he comes, he is going to execute judgment upon the ungodly. And this is why we need to present the gospel to those that are unsaved. Say
0: amen. But hey, I'll be back in just a moment and I want to pray for you. The Bible says one of the signs we've come to the end of the age is there will be mockers who mock and make fun of the rest of us who believe Jesus is coming soon for his church. In fact, the Holy Spirit said these mockers will appear right before the closure of the church age. What exactly does the Bible tell us about this and why is it taking so long for Jesus to return? In the series, Mockers in the Last Days, Rick Renner opens the scriptures to show us what the apostles prophesied over and over about events in the last days. In this five-part series, Rick covers Enoch's prophecy about the last days, murmurers and complainers in the last days, mockers in the last days, and the good news that Jesus is coming soon. This five-part series is available in digital or physical format starting at just $10. We are also offering you Rick's book, Last Day's Survival Guide. It's a must read for you to know what the Bible tells us about the end of the age and how to navigate the times we are living in right now. The world around us is being shaken and seems to be falling apart, but your foundation can be so strong and secure that you will be unshaken and can live victoriously through this end time season. Last Day's Survival Guide can be yours for only $25. Don't miss this special offer, the powerful series Mockers in the Last Days and the book Last Days Survival Guide. Call the number on your screen now or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now.
1: Friends, this is Rick Renner. Now, right now, I'm in the interior of the Moscow Good News Church. It is quite an amazing place. When you walk through this building, it's so beautiful and it testifies to the grace of God and the provision of God in the giving of our church and of our partners. We built this facility debt-free and because of that, the Moscow church has never had the burden of monthly payments. All of our funds have been released to do the work of the gospel. And now we need to do that in Tulsa. And I call this phase three. And I'm asking you today to pray about joining us as part of the giving team for phase three, which is paying off the Tulsa facility. And the reason we want to pay it off is because then it will release funds for us to take the teaching of the Bible to the ends of the earth. And dear friend, right now, the Bible is so needed. And I know that that's my heart and that is your heart and together We can take the Bible to the ends of the earth. So please pray about joining us for phase three to finish paying off the Tulsa building. And I want to say thank you in advance. My friend, thank you for being with me today. We are covering so much material in the book of Jude. But hey, if you're a partner... I want to say thank you for being a partner with our ministry. Together with me and Denise and our team and you, we're taking the living water of God's Word to people that are famished for it, and we're making a difference in someone else's life. And one of these days, it's going to be credited to your account. And I want to say thank you. If you're not a partner, please become a partner today by going online or by giving us a call. By the way, a partner is anyone who financially regularly supports our ministry ministry. And the moment you become a partner, we're going to send you my book called Life in the Combat Zone. The subtitle says, How to Survive, Thrive, and Overcome in the Midst of Difficult Situations. And Denise's book called The Gift of Forgiveness. We give these particular books to everyone who becomes a part of our partner family. And today we're offering you my series, which I'm teaching this week, which is called Mockers in the Last Days. The subtitle says what the Bible says about mockers in the last days and how to stand strong against a tide of negative voices. It's a five-part series. It comes in multiple formats with a study guide that has all the points, all the principles. Everything in the series is in the study guide because we want you to be able to read it while you see it or while you hear it. And really get this teaching down deep inside you. It's unfortunate that so many people just skip right over the book of Jude. You can see the book of Jude is really power packed. It's not for the lighthearted, it is a very serious epistle about the last days. And this week we're offering you my book about the last days, and the book is called Last Days Survival Guide. The foreword is written by my friend, Perry Stone. The subtitle says, a scriptural handbook to help you prepare for these perilous times. If you know what the Bible says about the end of the age, then you can embrace the season with faith and you can sail through turbulent waters. We have a faith that's gonna take us through every storm all the way to the other side. And this book will help you know what to do in these times. But hey, pray for us as well. And let us know how to pray for you. Just send us your email or give us a call. And the moment we hear from you, we're going to really pray for you. But, Father, thank you for the amazing book of Jude. It is so power-packed. Help us, Lord, to unpack every word in that epistle so we really understand what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. And we thank you that you really are coming again. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll see you tomorrow, but please... Remember Ecclesiastes 8:4, where the word of a king is,
0: there's power. Renner Ministries is proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ through every available media to the uttermost parts of the earth. Discover the many ways you can help us make a difference in lives around the world with the word of God. We invite you to partner with us in teaching, strengthening, and rescuing lives for the glory of God. Together... We can make a difference that will last throughout eternity.